Now you should listen to this because this concerns you. This is about an uh, evil genius in love. Evil genius mind. <laughs> it woke me up from my sleep and I don't like it. No, you're an evil genius is what you are. If this works, you're, you're some kind of a, a evil genius. Honest to God. Hello and welcome to the Evil Genius Chronicles. I am your little podcast buddy, Dave Slusher. Welcome to the show. This show is being recorded for February 24th, 2022. Oh, things are good. First, the business. This show is not kid safe, not work safe, not disinfected. It is distanced, but uh, only emotionally. <laughs> the show is Creative Commons licensed, non-commercial attribution, 4.0, Unported. The theme music is by the late great band The Gentle Readers. They're at gentlereaders.com. Bandwidth is via Cashfly under the kind auspices of Backbeat Media. I do not speak for my day job employers. I am not doing that job right now. I'm on a four day weekend. I'm doing my own thing on my own time in my own office. Thank you. Let us begin with a song. I have played the eponymous self titled song by Shakewell. Um, I was just the last thing I listened before I recorded, as I was walking the dog, I was listening to the Ask Dr. Hal show, and he was talking about Robin Coomer and Shakewell, and that kind of put me in mind to hear another one of these songs. So um, the only thing that they have at Amazon Music is a four-song EP, um, which gave me three choices, <laughs> and uh, this is the one I liked. I was most... I won't say that I liked it, because I liked all of them, but the one that I'm most in the mood for at this moment is this one. This is from the album Shake Well, The Early Years. This is Space Kitty Blues. Here we go.
All right, that was Shakewell from their EP, The Early Years, with Space Kitty Blues. <laughs> I like that. All right, let us now segue into what uh, 37 people think is as good as it gets, and that is the reading of the patrons. That got smoother. Did you notice? It is. The following people went to bit.ly, bit.ly slash EGC Patreon, and they pledge per show to support the shambling mess. Thank you to the following people. Derek Coward, patron number one. Adam Rittenauer, Ken Kennedy, Paul Fisher, Arhuli, Robert Harvey, Paul Smith, Andrew Heron, Grant Pachoco, Nutty Nukchas, Tony Ewing, Craig Stepp, Steve Holden, Shannon Nelson, Leah, the enigmatic Angela Lee, Chuck Tomasi, Stuart Maxwell, John Richardson, Michael Butler, Bruce Lerner, Eric Peterson, Skeeter Murphy, Chiaki Hinohara, Robert Gibson, Len Edgerly, Melissa A. Bartell, Andrew Howe, Michael Street, Neil Forker, Daiko, Kevin Freedy, Brian Springer, Jared M., Tim Shaw, Rob Usden, Wayne Pittenger, and Brian Jones. Thank you, everybody, for helping keep this shambling mess shambling. Did I say that at the beginning? I say it at the end. It's a bookend. Thank you. I appreciate it. Again, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-G-C Patreon. I appreciate every bit of the support. Monetary, non-monetary, it all helps. And with that, let us kill the music. Before we do anything else, I just want to uh, acknowledge uh, Michael Butler's loss. Um, if you listened to Mad at Dad, you heard a lot of stories of Don from the dog park. Um, and uh, Don passed away last week. He was, I want to say, one or two years younger than Grandpa. Both gentlemen uh, in their late 80s. And uh, I had a lot of... Um, had and have a lot of sympathy for Butler because basically everything he deals with with Don is extremely similar to everything we deal with with Grandpa. And it has get was getting very rough for Don, and uh, finally uh, he has uh, he has gone to his reward. Um, and uh, I'm very sorry uh, Butler has to go through all that, and um, it's going to come for us one of these days. Time is uh, not on our side in this particular regard. Um, but I know exactly how he feels with every step of it. So, uh, goodbye, Don Pedrick. So we started started the show with a downer. The most recent Rock and Roll Geek show started uh, pretty much the same way, but with like half an hour of uh, stories. I apologize in advance for uh, the nasaliness. There's nothing that can be done with about that. I'm Zyrtec'd up. I'm whatever. But it is... Um, getting on towards the end of winter and the beginning of spring in South Carolina. And uh, it is an onslaught. It is an onslaught of plant semen in my nostrils. <laughs> and there's nothing I can do about that. All right. We have a show title candidate onslaught of plant semen. <laughs> um, I have been talking about obsidian. I guess I've been at it Right out of a year, very close to a year. Um, I am staring my, at my show notes in Obsidian right now. Um, I uh, have un, I'm unwavering in uh, my support for Obsidian. And uh, as I said a few shows ago, every bit of feedback I've had from anybody who has tried it, 
uh, has liked it. Or let me put it this way. Nobody hated it. I think some people were um, a little befuddled by what they were supposed to do with it. But nobody, everybody found it at least uh, useful to neutral. Nobody said, ah, oh, this doesn't work for me. Um, one of the guys I work with threw out an, uh, another option. And it's called, I don't know how you pronounce this, LogSeq or LogSec, L-O-G-S-E-Q. And I've looked at it. Um, I don't see enough value in it for myself to switch to it. It, it looks extremely similar. So um, all these, uh, all this genre of these kinds of, um, what you call it, personal knowledge manager slash note taker, you know, Evernote replacements. I think uh, literally nobody likes Evernote more today than they did a couple of years ago. I think everybody that uses it feels like it's on the downhill slide. Um, so for those of you who um, uh, are in the search for such tools and maybe tried Obsidian and didn't find it full-featured enough, I think the thing I think that makes my colleague um, excited about LogSeq is it ha- the, the thing it has that Obsidian doesn't is it does a good integration of to-dos with everything else. You can sort of half-ass do it with Obsidian, but it's more of a first-class a citizen with log seek. So what he's doing is he's using it to maintain knowledge plus the things he needs to act on. I sort of do this by keeping the little bullet, uh, the, uh, the to-do types inside notes um, in Obsidian, but I think it's more, uh, it's more useful in log seek. So if that's the thing you want to do, you want to make this like your life driver, your productivity life driver, then uh, I think this is a candidate. I can't say that it's a great one or a bad one because, like I said, I myself didn't find it uh, switching. But I'm going to throw it out there as a thing uh, people could uh, people could use. While we're mentioning productivity, I listen to the show Cortex. Frankly, I don't know why. <laughs> I sort of I enjoy it. it uh, it's one of the ones that on paper, I don't know why, because it's uh, Mike Hurley and CPG Gray. And CPG Gray uh, is a... Is he a YouTuber? He is known from YouTube. He does like animated explainer type videos. I've never watched a one of these goddamn things. I'm not a CPG Gray fan. I'm not a hater. I just, I'm completely indifferent to the gentleman. I know he has like his videos gets millions of views. So he's a, a popular guy. And then Mike Hurley, who does the Relay FM. And these guys are fine, but like I have no particular, it's them. It's kind of like, any sort of two-person dudes talking. It's like Mad at Dad, but n- nerdier. Nerdier. And, and so CPG Gray, uh, as I'm listening to this, and I'm both caught up, uh, you know, I'm about a, I've listened to the most recent year, and I'm also listening to the backlog, which is like I'm about four years back in that. And he has such a, he talks about how, like the tools he wants. And every tool that he talks about, like whether it's an email tool or a note-taking tool, actually, I found out about Obsidian from these these cats. This is kind of the link there. But everything he said, he has this extremely particular thing he wants out of literally everything. <laughs> he wants to, uh, you know, he wants an email to uh, handle it this way and tag this way and do this one, you know. So they at one point actually talked about on the show on Cortex. We're talking about the feasibility 
of paying somebody to develop apps to exactly their specifications <laughs> and then have the app, you know essentially contract people have the app and then kind of sell the app as like their you know whatever cortex mail or something like that and they sort of decided that it was you know a big undertaking and out of their core competency but that was you know they kicked that around on the show and he is so um particular <laughs> in a way that he and more or less like so um uncompromising and unwilling to bend it is kind of hilarious to listen to him that is i i like to use that tool but uh i don't like the way the focus you know the, the keyboard focus is after you hit return it's extremely particular i've hit the point where productivity is just not such a driver for me anymore <laughs> this is another thing you can hear i had a call with grant Bachoko and we were talking about uh the podcast hall of fame and he's inducting me and we were talking about the speech and I don't remember exactly the words I used when I talked to him, but this sort of uh, along the lines of I'm sort of admitting that I'm no longer a hard charger and <laughs> all this, I have no, extremely little ambition and I sort of don't give a shit about all the stuff I used to give a shit about. And productivity is one of those things. It's like at this point, who cares how productive I am? If I, let's be frank. If anything happens, if I get a show recorded, if I get my work done for the day, if I get the uh, ditch weed whacked this weekend, uh, it's like the heavens open up. <laughs> like if I get anything accomplished, it's always a bonus. So these guys, you know, with their uh, this guy in particular with his extreme productivity hacks and all this stuff and. I mean, I guess as a guy who's a one, running a one-person business where uh, he publishes a video, you know, he hires animators and publishes a video, I don't know, once every three to seven weeks and makes his entire living off that and sort of needs to keep the ball rolling. I guess he's under extremely different constraints than I am, but boy, I listen to him and I'm thinking, boy, I just have no... This is why I get back to it. I'm not sure why I listen to it because these things that are so important to him, I just don't care about. I truly don't care about. And kind of in that vein, it was a while ago, a year or two ago, I was talking about when I first learned the term resilience porn. I did. I'd never heard that term. Um, I don't know how old it is, but you know, it was the first time it ran across my uh, radar. And. It was one of those concepts that as soon as I know the concept, I see it everywhere. I see it in all kinds of online uh, online content. I see it. The local news is the worst for resilience porn. This person does this amazing thing to just to get by. <laughs> Look how much work they do, and they're surviving. You know, and my criticism of it is it's uh, it's effectively. Uh, a, a tool of the status quo really it says, look, look how awful uh, these people have it. And yet they, uh, they're surviving. So shut the fuck up. And you know, you do, you do some heroic effort to get through your day too, because look, look at this hump, this hump can make it happen. <laughs> so you be that hump. <laughs> that could, that could also be the show title. You be that hump. And I'm, I don't know if this term already exists, if I'm independently creating it, or uh, I could be coining it. But there's a very similar kind of related, it might be a subset of it, which I'm going to call hustle porn. And uh, I had been listening to All the Hacks and Choose FI um, 
in in my kind of financial uh you know retire early fire stuff both of them are kind of in that space i'm unsubscribed from both of them and both of them it's because uh both of them the shows have very similar approaches that it just began to rub me the wrong way and i I that that both of those shows are where I kind of thought of this hustle porn <laughs> is they're they're so focused on yeah man you got to get out there and do it and you got to get up and you got to bring your A game but it's almost like it's like the entrepreneur version of like a guy fieri <laughs> or some it's that kind of uh you know douchey frosted tip sort of thing it's like yeah <laughs> go go out and cross uh, Guy Fieri and Gary Vaynerchuk. That's sort of what you get. <laughs> and, you know, for for all uh, that they are well-intentioned, and for all that I'm sure these guys are serving the need of a population, it's not me. So I'm not saying in any way that they're doing bad shows or doing anything wrong. I'm saying I have realized that it's not for me. And, I, you know, I'm not... <sighs> If I similar to what I was just saying, if I accomplish anything great, I ain't hustling. I ain't and hustle is certainly uh, particularly somebody younger, more ambitious, more to accomplish, uh, more life, more runway. Absolutely, go ahead and hustle. I am not anti-hustle. I'm anti-me hustling. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I'm all for you hustling. I am not for me hustling. <laughs> and so I just realized. Eh, I'm not getting anything out of either one of these shows, honestly. So uh, I'm just going to bail on them. I had kept a, a few notes of, from all the hacks as, uh, uh, and this is, you know, obviously before I could stop listening. And uh, there was a couple of shows that both of them jumped out at me. At one point, Kevin Rose was on. And, you know, Kevin Rose from used to be on Leo Laporte stuff. Uh, and he was, you know, founded, what did he found? Dig? I think he founded Dig. He's now a VC. He's he's doing all kinds of stuff. But he was on there talking about uh, crypto. I think he's now like way into the crypto space. So he was originally into kind of the podcast Web 2.0 space. Now he's kind of in crypto. He's sort of a serial front runner. And he was talking a lot about crypto. He was talking about smart contracts. And boy, it really, even though I'm following crypto stuff, I absolutely am not a crypto maximalist, and I don't even I, – I just find the crypto maximalist kind of exhausting. Uh, I find the NFT stuff exhausting, and boy, what Kevin Rose was really talking about was smart contracts and how they're going to revolutionize everything and how they're going to replace bank employees and they're going to replace banking and do all this stuff, and that is an uh, – I think that's a fine ideal. Um, it's extremely technocratic because um, they, they it gets talked about in the terms of opening up, uh, you know, opening things up. It's like we no longer have the banks and financial institutions as gatekeepers. Now we only have people capable of generating smart contact tracks as the gatekeepers, which is still way, not only not everybody, it might even be a smaller subset of people. And also, as I listen to Unchained, pretty much the news, pretty much almost every time she does the news, she talks about some smart contract that had a bug in it that it, that resulted in loss of X. Uh, 
And X is, I think, almost always in the millions. I think if it's not in the millions, she doesn't bother reporting about it. So smart contract, uh, a bug in a smart contract led to $20 million uh, you know, being lost in this whatever. <laughs> and so this, this idea that smart contracts are going to replace uh, you know, those idiots at the bank pushing papers and whatever. Somebody's writing those smart contracts. And it's somebody who has uh, written code for a living for the last mm, 25 years and been around people who write code for a living for the last 25 years. I don't think that, that moving all uh, financial transactions or even a lot of financial transactions into a code-driven thing is uh, a great idea because, my God, I have seen so much shitty code. I have generated so much shitty code and I have watched so much uh, shitty code and I have fixed so much shitty code and the idea that we're going to just code our way out of this <laughs> I, I'm not buying that without a lot of uh, like, how do you, this, some of this is my own ignorance. It's like, how do you unit test a smart contract? How do you find out these edge cases? What happens if, uh, you know, um, this contract fires a whole lot in a very short time period? What happens if the, the thing at the other end of it gets behind? What are you going to do? How do you even how do you even test for this? And that's pretty much you know uh, some of these things are just bugs. Some of these are like deliberate attacks on these smart con- contracts, where they um, flood them so much that they something can't be cleared. And then you know some of them, uh, if I recall correctly, like one of the styles of this attack is you borrow against something, um, and while it's uh, checking to see if you have the collateral, you get the money and you do something else with it, and then you replace the collateral, and you know all this weird stuff. <clears throat> and I'm not, I'm not jumping up and down saying, "Oh boy, it has to be this. Let's move everything to this." I'm like me personally, I don't want any of my money running through any of this right now. <laughs> like zero of my dollars shall be at risk <laughs> with a smart contract because I don't. Uh, <sighs> I'm um it's one of those things like you probably if you work in a sausage factory you probably are less dying to eat sausage. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm kind of in that situation with smart contracts. One of the other things um that sort of it was an early domino that kind of set me against all the hacks is on his episode 19 he uh the guy who does the show is an employee of Wealthfront and he had the Wealthfront CEO on, Andy Ratchleff. I don't remember how you pronounce his name, Ratchleff or Ratchleff. And they were talking, um, uh, you know, talking investment ideas. And this guy from Wealthfront had a, which I should note has been a sponsor on this show. Um, the guy from Wealthfront had these very contrarian ideas. Some of them um, are like core FI stuff, which is he said. Um, uh, it's in the FI kind of core idea that uh, index funds are the way to go. He came out and said picking individual stocks is a bad idea. Now, as I've said, one of the reasons I'm in the position I am is because of two individual stocks. Like, I wouldn't be considering retiring if it weren't for those two individual stocks. Like, half of my net worth came from those two stocks. So, like, I've said this, I should say this every time that I discuss this topic, because I put... uh. You know, my life savings on 27 
on the roulette wheel and it came up 27. That does not mean 27 is a strategy. I got lucky. Um, and I don't even know that I would disagree that picking individual stocks is risky, but I mean, it did work for me. But he made this statement, uh, which is extremely contrary to everything I've ever heard anyone say, basically, is that he said he valued liquidity more than anything else uh, of your money and your savings, which is why he thinks you shouldn't max out a 401k. I can't remember if he said don't max it out or if he said don't put anything into a 401k. I mean, I believe what he was saying is that um, you should do all of your savings in a taxable brokerage account because you can always get to that. <clears throat> and, you know, a 401k, if you find yourself needing the money, you uh, can get to it, but you're going to pay p- taxes plus penalties and all this kind of stuff. And that really, he said, the tax benefits that you get from that are not worth the loss of liquidity. And that's, I'm going to be honest, I, th- I think that's nuts. I think that's, um, like it, I think that's a downright harmful idea. I, I not only don't agree with it, but I think if you do agree with it and you follow it, you probably, I don't know if you're going to get hurt, but I think you're underplaying your hand. Absolutely, you should have liquidity. Um, but the idea that you shouldn't, uh, you should, I think what maybe what he said is you should contribute to a 401k up to your employer match if you have one and no more. I think that's what he said. Take the free money that's on the table and nothing else. Something like that. It was it was extreme. Uh, and as somebody, you know, a lot of times people who have access to these 401ks, they're high earners. So the tax benefits you're getting from that are significant. And I mean, it does present a problem. I'm looking at this problem where I have significant, uh, significant of my life savings in a 401k, which I ain't 59 and a half. Um, so there's things that there are things that one can do, but um, it will be the challenge for the rest of my life is getting the money out of the, the most tax efficient manner. That is a quality problem. <laughs> that is a far, far better problem than where am I going to find the money? I'm going to have to work until I die because I don't have enough money. That's the bad problem. What I have is the good problem. It's a problem, but it's the good problem. So between. Kevin Rose, there were multiple um, there were multiple entrepreneur type guys, all of them young, brash, exuberant guys that I didn't even listen to the episode. So it's not that I have, I didn't take any quotes out of the episode because a couple minutes in, I thought, I can't even listen. It's not even just the substance of what they're saying, just even the way they talk. I just don't, like, I don't even want to listen to guys, uh, you know, Tony Robinsoning at me. I don't even want to listen to that style of speech. It doesn't just the rhythm of that <clears throat> and the way that kind of motivational speakery talk sounds. I don't even care. <laughs> like you can say anything. You say the most sensible thing in the world, but if you're saying like that, you have got to go out and do this because uh blah blah blah. I don't want to I don't care. I'm going to turn it off. I don't want to listen to it. So, uh, goodbye, both of those, those shows. <laughs> At one point, I've had something like a backlog of several hundred episodes of Choose FI. I'm like, nah I'm, just, nah, I'm just done with everything. So, with that, I am going to take a sip of this delicious, now not that warm, <laughs> and a lot of show prep. Mm. It was warm, now it is... Mm. A degree and a half above room temperature. 
I'm drinking it anyway. Hey, I need another sip. Now, I am reaching out to the listeners for this one. I have been looking uh, for something, and I have been failing to find it. So I'm appealing to the Evil Genius Chronicles hive mind. I talked in the previous show about scanning. I actually started scanning. I have that photo album of my mom, and I picked out every picture that had her in it. I did not scan a single picture of Hadrian's Wall or any of these other things. It's in a... Uh, it's in a album at my, near my feet. I'm going to let uh, the girls look at that to see if they care about anything in there because we have talked about visiting these types of areas. And um, so done with it, the whole thing's going in the trash. Um, and I scanned the pictures of my mom. I scanned some other random ones that I had. Um, there were some other ones stuck in there that were unrelated to this trip, um, which span the gamut. So here's the solution that I, I'm looking for is I'm now getting family pictures of, you know, mostly my immediate family, but also my extended family uh, going back, let's say, 100 years. So some of them are extremely uh, old baby pictures of, say, my uncles uh, or even my grandparents. Um, so the set of people uh, in my family, some of these pictures are of relevance to them. Some of them are not. Like my cousins uh, on my mother's side don't really care about my father's family. So they don't care about that. So what I'm looking for is a solution where I can take my uh, my pile of photos, I can take my set of photos that I have scanned, and I want to be able to, in somehow or another, ta- by, by a tagging or by facial recognition or some something, I want to be able to identify in metadata who is in each one of these photos. And then I want it to be uh, whether it's exporting it into sets of folders or somehow or another, I would like somebody to say, I want to see all the photos of this person or ideally it would be hierarchical. So I would say, okay, here's all my cousins and here's, you know, basically set up the family tree. So you could pick a place on the family tree and say, I want to see all Hubble photos. I want to see all slusher family photos or I want to see my nuclear family photos or what have you. Uh, so, and the other, um, the other aspect of this is it needs to either work on Linux or it needs to be an online solution. So, uh, you know, uh, any, because also it needs to be shareable to my family members. I have looked at, God, like the top, if you look at most of these, uh, you know, best photo manager for Linux sites, I probably have installed the top seven, you know, the, 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 the common top seven. I've done Shotwell. I've done, oh God, K G thumb and K photo, whatever. I've, I've been through a bunch of, none of them do all these things. Now this is, I am sounding exactly like CPG gray when I talk about this, because I have this thing. So maybe, uh, maybe I'm closer to him. I'm just in a different problem domain. Uh, but I can't find any of the do it right. I tried the most recent swing at this pinata that I took is I took the photos that I, from the last scanning session and I uploaded them to Amazon photos, Amazon photos. Theoretically, it seems like it's supposed to do facial recognition and say, uh, I have automatically identified these people. And, uh, cause it presented some stuff. Uh, it had grouped some photos, um, that were in Amazon photos and they were only ones that had been taken on um, 
Kindle devices because I don't have my phone or anything else uploading to Amazon Photos by default. They go to Dropbox. That's the only place I have them going to. So something in Amazon like goes through and it had identified it correctly had a set of 37 photos, all of which had my daughter in it. Actually, across a pretty big chunk of her life from, you know, small to very recent. And it correctly identified her in most of those. And it says, who is this person? Name it and then whatever. And it has a setting in there to say, do this for uploaded photos. And I did it and it's never happened. I don't know if it's a thing that takes time or I set the, turned the setting on, I don't know, four or five, six days ago, it's still at this point has never happened. So if you know of a um, system that uh, system or a Linux application or any kind of cross-functional, you know, like an extra electron type app or something that would run on Linux, um, let me know. Dave at evilgeniuschronicles.org. I am looking for this solution. I mean, the worst case is that I do it myself with, I don't know, a bunch of symlinks. Like... <laughs> Like I have basically a hierarchical, uh, like I have this folder structures of family trees, right? And I basically have a, you know, like my family and then me and my dad and my brother and my mom. And then I sim link every photo in there and I export it that way. Or I put it up in Dropbox and share the Dropbox. I don't, I just don't know. I mean, I don't, what I don't want is to be doing a bunch of manual sim linking. That seems pretty terrible. I don't want to be doing, I mean, manually tagging like if if it was tagging with a person's name and then i could export such that that um you could navigate by tag or it was an online uh, solution where you can navigate by tag maybe you can do this dropbox i I just don't i haven't explored tagging in dropbox i just don't know oh but uh i am i am on the hunt i am uh, in need of suggestion one of the things um, I have come back to Facebook only for um, only for external events. I came back around uh, softball state tournament time last year, and then um, once we shuttered Bad at Dad, I more or less didn't use Facebook itself for about eight months. It was a nice eight months. <laughs> I'm going to say I used the messenger to reach out to certain people and or receive messages from some people. Uh if I looked at the timeline, it was by accident. <laughs> if I was on my computer and I popped up in Facebook just to get to Messenger, I may accidentally see stuff from the timeline, but I didn't go out of my way to look at anything. I didn't ever click the little button. So the about, you know, you've been tagged or you somebody mentioned you or you've got something in whatever. I never clicked that, that little numbered thing. I was kind of curious to see if it ever got above 20. I wanted to see if it would get to like 100 or 1,000 or something like that. I, it, it, it just says 20 plus. It never gets bigger than that. Um, when the podcast hall of fame was announced, um, people, well-meaning, uh, people of goodwill were talking about me and tagging me. So I had to kind of use it a little bit. I'm going to say that maybe the week after podcast hall of fame is over, we've been going back. It's going back in mothballs. (laughs) One of the things that, um, has made using Facebook in the rare times that I use it better. And this is completely accidental. This was not a plan. I didn't do this. I don't know how I did this. I didn't try to do it, but I love the end result is my default permissions when I post something is only me. And I forget every time I post in the rare times that I post, I forget that I have this pretty much every time because as I say, I'm not using it very much. So it might be 
it might be weeks, months, or significant fractions of a year between posts that I generate. And when I do, um, it will go in as only me permission. And like a week, uh, it'll be like a day later, I think, huh, nobody's commented on this. It's got no likes, no comments, no nothing. And then I realize, oh, I'm the only one who can see it. <laughs> so I change it. So I have to always, at some point, go, why is nobody, why is nobody seeing this thing? And then, oh, yeah, I remember now. I sort of like that. It gives you this automatic timeout. Back in the, um, back in the BBSE type days, either a BBS or Genie or CompuServe or AOL, things like that, where you would have these forum-y situations. If, it, if something got heated, I um, instituted for myself, well, there's two things from my end. One of them, uh, I will go back to it. It has been a frequent topic on the show. Damon Knight, uh, science fiction writer, always said, the longer somebody posts a screed about you, the shorter your reply should be. <laughs> so if they post an eight paragraph thing telling you what an idiot you are, I say, I hear you, disagree. <laughs> you know, drives them crazy that they put so much time in you and you put so little time uh, in defending yourself. But the other thing is I always tried to give myself a 24 hour timeout. So from the point where I was mad about a thing, uh, I would not, whether I would write the response, I would try to not post it for 24 hours. And when it came time to post the, you know, my angry response to an angry, <laughs> flamey thing about me, um, by the time I posted it, um, I would go back through and say, ah, yeah, I'm not this, uh, I'm not this heated, heated up about it anymore. And so I'd edit it down and then I would pr usually edit out most of the inflammatory stuff. I can remember in the early days of podcasting, um, somebody was pointed out that there were multiple, there were lots of squabbles. I'm thinking about this a lot as I, as with this Hall of Fame stuff. I'm thinking about, you know, the first six months, you know, the August 2004 to like spring of 2005-ish era. And, you know, there was the uh, show, produced show people versus the audio verite audio bloggers. That was a division. <laughs> if you go back at the old shows, you will hear me talking about these stupid petty squabbles um and, and stuff like that and i can recall multiple times where somebody said boy this was we're talking about how i was diffusing a thing because it was getting heated and then uh you know i would reply but my reply not only didn't stoke the fire it would actually kind of dampen it down a little and uh a lot of that has to do with that 24-hour timeout i mean that was a important tool in anything like that. Now, I have been in extremely few flame war situations in a long time, mostly because I don't give a shit about anything anymore. <laughs> the number of things about which you could get me worked up to ha enough to have a flame war has really diminished. Now, you may think, you know, with uh, all the, uh, you know, the current state of political discourse in America in uh, the time period we're in, that that would be easier. It's harder. <laughs> Because I don't engage in any of this kind of stuff. It is, I don't know if it's to my detriment. I don't know if that makes me a worse person, but I don't. I'm a, I'm a disengaged person. So that's uh, that's just not going to happen. But uh, that's, uh, I'm not, when I, once I realized, I actually don't know how that became my default, that when I post to pay Facebook, it, nobody else can see it. But I'm never going to change it. I'm going to leave it like that for the rare times I ever post to it. I really and truly have considered uh, deleting the Facebook account. I don't have a problem with it. Um, 
I suppose it's one of those things. I suppose I should treat it like a tool in the arsenal for promoting the show, but I don't care enough to do that. I don't even like my auto posting thing. I still, when the shows in my posse setup, when I post um, anything, but you know, I post a show uh, episode, it will automatically push to Twitter because the Twitter API is solid. It, used to push to Facebook automatically. It doesn't now. I don't know why. I haven't bothered to fix it. Facebook broke something about it or the tool broke something about it. I don't know. I suppose I should care enough to do that. I suppose it would help more. But Facebook, man. Facebook. All right, I'm going to end on something. And I put this, deliberately put this at the very end because... I did not want this to be the first thing you hear, particularly if you're a newish listener, you know, Hall of Fame, and you just heard of me. It is, this happens sometimes. This is George Carlin territory, because I'm pretty sure he talked about this. This may be, remind me, if you know, uh, remember better than me, this may be directly out of George Carlin. But I will be uh, in some sort of, typically a retail situation. There is one lady at the local Dunkin' Donuts drive-in that does this more than anyone. But she's not the only one, but she's like the prime, um, I was going to say offender, but it's not an offense. She's just the prime user of this phrase. And I will we'll go through and have the transaction and they'll hand me my coffee and or donuts or whatever I'm getting. And uh, I will pay and then she'll say, okay, great. Have a nice one. Every time someone says, have a nice one to me. I want to reply, oh, I have a nice one. <laughs> I just, <laughs> the temptation is so strong. Oh, I have a nice one. It is the creepiest fucking thing <laughs> to say this. That's why I don't do it. But I sort of laugh to myself every time they say it because, you know, the angel on the, the uh, right shoulder and the devil on the left shoulder are fighting it out over, am I going to, is this going to be the time I'm going to say it? Am I going to get, am I going to get canceled at the, from the Dunkin' Donuts? Because I reply, oh, I have a nice one. It's creepy. It's <laughs> kind of awful. I'm pretty sure that that's came from a George Carlin routine, but I just, there was a related thing back in Huff and Stapes, the late great show, Huff and Stapes. Huff and Stapes is dead. Long live Huff and Stapes. Scott Huff, he who is kind of a sports castery type. Now he's like a movie producer. Uh, he worked, you know, he worked for a movie production house, and now I think he produces the movies. Um, so he's kind of moved up the line. But in this comedy show, um, he um, did all these nutty things. But one of the things he would do is when he would read a credit card number, he would always hold one back. So he would read a credit card number. He's like seven six two four five three seven six three two one five nine <laughs> and so there was a time period where i did that a few times and it always really throws everyone off and it's actually funny to do i haven't done it in at least five years possibly 10 years but every time 100 percent of the time when I am reading my credit card number a credit card number to someone on the phone when i get to about number nine or ten I start laughing and sometimes I can't stop myself from laughing. I'm suppressing. It's like church laughter. I'm suppressing laughter because in my head, I'm thinking, am I going to do it? Is, am I going to do it this time? <laughs> so, am I going to read a set of four numbers and then four numbers and then four numbers and the three numbers and then one? <laughs> am I going to do that? 
I kind of want to every time. I don't. I haven't done it, but I kind of want to. I kind of want to say, oh, I have a nice one. But I don't. <laughs> these, are the, these are the things going on in this idiot monkey brain that I have as I'm doing really ordinary things. So <laughs> there you go. Idiot monkey brains uh, are in check for the moment. For the moment. It's it's never uh it's never not a war between um, my polite self and my monkey brain. Um, there shall there will probably be a day when his monkey brain ascended, but that day is not today. Thank you for listening. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your uh, attention. I appreciate your feedback, which you can send as always to Dave at evilgeniuschronicles.org. The show notes will be up at evilgeniuschronicles.org. I will link to. Uh, individual episodes of a podcast that made me stop listening to it. If you want to hear it for good or ill, uh, those show notes, uh, those links will be in the show notes. If you want to hear those shows, either uh, as a positive example or a negative example, those links will be in the show notes. I appreciate everything. And as you go out in the world, uh, don't forget that I love you. Goodbye. I mean, it's not that I'm a CG CPG, I'm not a CPG, I'm not a CPG get gray fan, I'm not a CPG gray, every step of fucking adventure. adventure.